Welcome to the Clary Podcast, a division of Aaron Clary, LLC, brought to you by assholeconsulting.com. Aaron Clary, Chairman and CEO. And now, your host... Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. Greetings and salutations. It is the Clary Podcast. Um, I got several emails, and uh, of all the same stripe, all the birds of the feather flocking together. Oh my God, Clary, where are you down? You kind of say, and and. Uh, no, I, I wasn't sad. I didn't think I was being sad. I am not depressed. As people, oh, you're kind of dark and everything. Uh, no, I just, I, I need to unplug occasionally, guys. You gotta, because uh, if you don't unplug, you will get depressed. There was that article making the rounds from the Atlantic where uh, iGen is all suicidal. Suicide rates are going up. Everything's, all the you know mental disorders are going up. Girls are depressed three times the rate of boys. And yeah, it it has everything to do with that damn cell phone. It has everything to do with social media. And if you're in this industry, where day in, day out, you look at all the bad news and all the bad things that happen. Um, <clears throat> you know, it, it, it was one thing when we had three news networks and, and gumshoe journalists that actually had to go and sniff out this stuff. But this internet... Has such a has such a fine netting to it that when you lower it into the sea of humanity uh, and you pull everything up, it's too damn depressing. It's too dark. It's too sad. This is why I don't even address the the uh, <clears throat> what is it the uh, unite the right and the antifa thing happening down in Charlottesville. It it's just and after a while, his this is why I wrote the book. Enjoy the decline, guys. Uh, look, life is too damn short. Right now, <clears throat> Atham, look this up. I'm I'm recording from my truck. It was a beautiful day. I'm like, I'm getting out of my house. I'm not staying in my house today. It's just way too beautiful. I went to my cigar lounge over in St. Paul, my favorite one. And now I'm at Cherokee Park. You can see Cherokee Lake. Atham, look this up. It's just south of downtown St. Paul. I drove around a little bit in this kind of park area for... To give you the context, south of St. Paul, the, the Mississippi River flows from Minneapolis into St. Paul. And there's obviously a lot of parks around that area. But there's also a lot of swamp that you can't build on. So even though I'm no more than, than half a mile away from, well, I'm more like a mile away from downtown, uh, you're out in the middle of nowhere. There's nobody out here. It's off the main drag. And I'm just sitting here looking at the lake. And after a while, you, you know, I... Look, I busted my ass off going to college just like all you guys did. Busted my ass off being the cubicle slave. Uh, and now, what's going on here? Oh, crazy old woman. And it got, had a great, great, not a modicum, had great success with this social media thing. But now that the house is paid off, I got to throttle back, guys. I, I'm 42 didn't really allow myself to have any fun. And now I have had fun as, as things went better and better in my 30s. Uh, but 
it it took a lot. It writing a quality post. I was writing quality posts three times a week. Uh, but then, as social media expanded into podcasting and and video, I had to spread my time amongst you know uh, the podcasts and, and YouTube. And if if you don't unplug and you don't relax and you don't rest, you'll go crazy. You'll get depressed. That's why, like, about a year ago, Doc says, "Dude, you gotta, you gotta take a week off. You gotta, you gotta take things easy." And he's right. And in the grand scheme of things, it's like, look, I don't need to go balls to the wall anymore. Not that I'm fully retiring; I'll never retire. Uh, but life is not always about what's going on on Facebook, what's going on on Twitter. <clears throat> oh, did you see Trump tweeted this. Oh, James Wood tweeted that. Oh, look, somebody posted a pic. Oh, who? Somebody wrote a post. Somebody did this. You get into this echo chamber, and this goes for people on the right and the left. doesn't matter. This goes for anybody who's in social media at all, whether whatever you're talking about. Your friends on the Facebook, you're doing the Insta-chat and the Instagram, all these teenagers, they're not unplugging, they're not going outdoors, they're not running, they're not getting exercise, they're not seeing the sun. These leftists who are just obsessed about well, things leftists are obsessed about gender, privilege, race, sex. I was listening to Bernard Chapin. Even though the guy and I hate each other, I can't even say I hate Bernard. I just haven't given him much thought. Um, he, he was talking about the Google memo and reading this article from some no-name lesbian. You can't even call them journalists. What would you call them? They're just, they're nobodies. Never heard of this person, never will hear of her again. And he's letting this leftist, lesbian, uh, social justice warrior, uh, mentally impaired person, genuinely a mentally impaired person, he's letting her article affect him, get his blood pressure up, everything. And so again, that the, the fine netting of the internet has dragged up, and normally you'd get like a you know, genuine news. Like a really big, pertinent article. Oh, Charles Mason, Ted Bundy, you know, something really important. Um, Elections, stuff like that. Uh, Now, you get the ugliest crap coming up from the lower depths of, of the sea of humanity. You get this lesbian chick, and now she's on par. She's on par with modern day news. Oh, it's up on the Huffington Post. Oh, it's up on Twitter. And now you guys read it, you get all like excited and angry about it. No, <clears throat> no. I'm going to sit here and look at I, I wish I should. I should probably take a picture of this lake slash swamp slash hiking area. It's sunny out. I'm just sitting here looking at it. The railroad tracks are right there. Um, life is too short to spend all your time. I mean, I understand if you make money on it. I'm sure we got to keep tabs on it, put the finger on the pulse. But I just didn't have the energy this past week. I needed I needed some time off. I went on, on a, another boat ride on the WBL. Then I went on another boat ride on Lake Minnetonka. Uh, and in addition to runs and lifting weights, I've just been going for walks. we got to enjoy and pack in you know, the summertime here in Minnesota. That's another thing. There's... <clears throat> There's only so many days that are that are nice in the Twin Cities. Now, of course, I do escape and go down south. I have a month-long motorcycle ride where I'm going to go out west and take things easy and just follow the sun and maintain this nice weather. But while I'm here, you know, I 
you know, winter time, fine. If I, if I had a regular job, <laughs> I remember when I when I did most of my quality posts, most of my high quality research and economic research, you know, five years to a decade ago. It was because I had a I had a daytime job. I do my two hours of work a day. And then once I caught up with everything, I was like, oh, what else am I going to do? Well, you got to sit here for six hours. And it's like, well, I can't just write about social stuff. So if I do economic research, the people and my bosses, they'll think I'm doing, you know, real work. And I'll just write really high quality economic research posts. And that's how I ended up writing two or three really high quality posts a day because I was sitting there in a prison with nothing else to do. Well, now that I'm out of that prison, now that I have the free time, yeah, you just cannot live on a diet of what's going on Drudge, what's going on on CNN, what did the what did the latest not even flash in the pl- the pan zit on your face pimple before you popped it type of you know three thousand Twitter followers nobody with her masters in journalism what did she say on the Huffington Post it wasn't even paid to I do not have the time I just don't. I even had to stop tuning in to, to, to Beckloff, not because he did anything wrong or wasn't a topic of interest, but I was so I was I'm so done with the with the Unite the Right. I don't need to hear okay, a bunch of white nationalists uh, and some Nazi assholes headed up by dipshits like uh, Andrew Spen- Richard Spencer ran into Antifa. I I can't give any less fucks to give about it, frankly. I really can't. <laughs> Especially since, like, the Stormfront and all these other white—not not the white nationalists, the white supremacists—that what I got a kick out of it. You see, now you guys are like, "Oh, well, don't you understand that that they're trying to take down history by taking down this statue of Robert Lee?" I, I understand that argument, but the people who go and protest are the same ones that when they found out I was the technical Jew. They started calling me a, a what a goy or a goyim or kike or oh you can't and they're serious about it. I'm like oh Clary's Jew, you can't fucking trust the Jew and, and, and no no consideration for the fact that I'm not really Jewish. The whole point was that I found out when I was 21 that the lineage through my grandmother because she was Jewish on my mom's side that technically makes me Jewish. Never seen the inside of a synagogue. Never held a Torah in my life. So I, I just can't get excited about those dipshits. I just get, get get worked up. Richard Spencer, trust fund baby extraordinaire. Look up the Clary test on him. Oh, he, he got the crap kicked out. I don't care. Neither should you. It's summer, guys. It's summer. Go do something. Go out. Go check out. You know, are you guys going to go check out the solar eclipse? Have you seen how many people are going to check out the solar eclipse? Wrote an article about it on my blog, CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com. Uh, sometimes you can't even find hotels. Casper, Wyoming, probably the shittiest town in all of the United States, arguably the world. Uh, they have hotel rooms going for $1,500 a night. I think the nicest hotel in Casper is maybe, maybe a three-star hotel. Maybe. That's, that, that right there is more important, more exciting than any of this political bullshit going on right now. You know, and after a while, 
you know, I was talking to my buddy John. He's an older guy. One of the few people I got that I kind of look to as an older brother. There's Lloyd, there's Vince, there's John, uh, Terrence Pop, even though I, I follow him. It's not like him and I have had conversations. But my buddy John, I've known him for 20 years. And we were talking about like, you know, hey, the, the curtains, we're in the final act. You know, we're in the final three innings of the game here. Him more than me. I got like four innings left in life maybe. And you look back at the past 20 years, 30 years, whenever you were an adult, whenever you realize that there's nothing free in life, <clears throat> whenever you realize that you got to work for a living and the key to success is hard work, independent uh, individuality, uh, self-supportation, acknowledging and realizing the fact you are finite and that the best thing one can do is achieve excellence in whatever capacity or regard, and then just the, the utter patheticness of how such a high percentage of the population insists on being lazy, achieve-nothing layabouts. These, they insist on parasitism. And they scramble for whatever reason. Oh, I'm oppressed. Oh, I'm discriminated. Oh, I have a vag. Oh, I have brown skin. Oh, I have yellow skin. Oh, I have this skin. Or as whites now, they need to, they need to cash in on this victim. Oh, I got the ADHDs. Oh, I got the autism. Oh, I got the uh, Asperger's. Oh, I got the uh, huds. Uh, huh, huh, huh. I got the bipolar... After and, and you try and point out like, hey, we got the secret. We got the, We figured it out. We unlocked the key to success in life. We figured out a way to make the human society and the human race advance beyond all, all compare. We could colonize Mars in, in 100 years if we put our minds to it. Uh, but once you start getting called a racist, a bigot, a hater, um, you're mean, you're a jerk, you don't care, da-da-da, and... All the social ostracization that comes from the inferior half of the population, that comes from the leftist socialist, give me free dats and I want free education and I, oh, you owe me and I have right. And you realize after 20, 30 years, you didn't do a lick of good to stop them. You didn't change anybody's minds. It's like, okay, do I want to waste, not necessarily, not that you spent all 20 or 30 years of your life wasting it working for the Republican Party or writing for the Huffington Post or, or being some kind of social justice crusader or being a full-time professor or activist. Not that you wasted your time that much, but the, the percentage of your free time, your non-working free life that you spent on the internet, on social media, or pre-internet uh, at parties, uh, on email boards, just trying to talk to people and trying to convince them, and it did absolutely nothing. Why in these last dwindling innings of your baseball game of life, are you even going to waste it? Look, we, we've done our share. We, we, we've, we've put in our time. We've done our share. We, we sacrificed. We very charitably did what we could to help out society. Permanently help out. Now here's some money so that you can live another day to go beg tomorrow. But here's the solution. Here's the key to life. Here's how we could advance humankind, human history, at light speed compared to the pace that's been going before. And after a while, you got to say, you got to be selfish. you got to say, well, wait, I'm going to die too. Why am I trying to save, some, save the unwashed masses? Why am I trying to help out the people, especially when they don't want to be saved or even going to listen to reason? Especially when deep down inside, they're just lazy bunch of fucking lazy fucks. Who want to live off of other people who come up with most fantastic of explanations and mental acrobatics to explain why they're entitled to other people's wealth. Why am I going to waste my time anymore? I, it's, it's, I'm on the wrong side of 40. 
I got maybe, given how cancer just loves to make settlements on the Clary male uh, <laughs> uh, 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 body, uh, they, 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 cancer really likes making settlements on us. Uh, I got maybe 30 years left of life. The past, God Almighty, it, was, it, it wasn't easy or fun. I'd say the past decade was pretty fun. My mid, early to mid-30s to today has been pretty fun. And I've enjoyed that life driving. I know this may shock you. Surprise, surprise. Driving around the country on motorcycles, hiking and banging different broads and being a ballroom dance instructor. And I, yes, that was, that was more fun than going to school, going to college, trying to argue economics, trying to stop housing crises, trying to ho- stop housing crashes, trying to stop bad loans, trying to get uh, stop socialism. After a while, you got to realize if humanity wants to go down this path because they are stupid, then humanity and the human race as a genetic species doesn't deserve to exist. They don't deserve to live. And I'm sure there were some gazelles that were smart enough to dodge the lions. I'm sure there were some, um, uh, you know, uh, water buffalo that were smart enough to avoid the, the pride of lions. But if water buffalo and hyenas and whoever else, whatever other animals out there, if a high enough percentage of them want to go and graze by the lions and get wiped out as a species, if a bunch of humans want to advocate parasitism and other people's money as the mainstay to their future and success, then what are you going to do to stop them? You know, if, if, people, if that's how people want to spend their time is tearing down a statue... Of a of a, a world not world war a civil war general because uh, if he he fought on the Confederate side if uh, people want to go and spend their time protest I mean look there's another thing talk about you want to talk about stupidity on both sides why why are you guys protesting why is anybody on the right protesting what is wrong with you people protesting is such an, an inefficient and an uneconomic pissing away of time. It achieves nothing. You can, like, I always got a kick out of, oh, I'm going to go to these attention whores who knew exactly what they were doing. I'm going to go do a seminar down at Berkeley. I'm going to give a speech over at, at Middlebury or whatever. Knowing full well people come out and protest you and you get news coverage. That's what, uh, Cernovich, Milo, all those guys. Brilliant strategy, but don't tell me you guys were doing anything beyond capitalizing off of the news media news storm that would that would come you knew exactly what you were doing but people going out there and protesting I mean, you really have nothing to, protesting should be purely the reserve of leftists you should let them go protest let them let them go waste their time if you're on the conservative side of things you know that you could reach a lot more people with that exact same speech from the comforts of your own home by doing it over youtube or the internet Molyneux has got speeches on the internet that have reached at least at least a hundred times more than the highest amount of attendances that ever went to a uh, a Milo speech or an Ann Coulter speech or whatever else. I mean, speeches are so outdated that those are so '90s. Those are so uh, what was it? Lincoln Douglas debate. I mean, that's so 1860s. A speech in person. <laughs> Well, you guys got to go out there and pray. I, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry. My it's, Life is too damn short. Life is too damn short. I'm going to go and do my podcast here from this nice park I'm in over in St. Paul. 
Then I'm going to go upload it over at my cigar lounge. Then I'm going to go hit the gym nearby. And then I think I'm going to go for a walk on the uh, on the path. I'm going to go for a walk on the path. Because um, we got a lot of paths down here. It's just too, it's too beautiful a day to get my tits in a sling over what a bunch of uh, Nazis and Richard Spencer's and a bunch of Antifa leftist, you know, protesters. And look at that, you know, I know, what, three people died. But two were because cops can't fly a helicopter, apparently. Uh, but but the other one, you know, how many people got injured? Think about that. It just, and I'm not, I'm not even talking politics here. I'm talking uh, logic. For everyone that went protesting, uh, let's just say the Antifa side, because I think those are the only ones that got injured once that guy drove the car into them. Look at what ended up happening. Look at what, look at what resulted. You got one person dead and what, nine injured or something like that? Was that worth it so you guys could go get your feels and protest and you could you could fight the system and patriarchy and the white people and was it worth it? Because I, I guarantee you most of those people, well, the, the gal that got ran over, she didn't seem like she was a war vet. How much you want to bet these kids are swipe little kids from the suburbs and they're going to go fight the system, man, because that's what their teachers told us to do. And also it's like, oh, bam, dead, killed, injured, maimed. Was that worth it to get your feels and masturbate to your political religion? You know, someone dead, three or four, five, six, seven, eight injured. Was that worth it? I mean, I guess if you have nothing else to do and you don't value your life, yeah, I guess it is worth it throwing your life away like that. I guess maybe it is worth it becoming a, a lifelong feminist or a, uh, the other guy I talked about on my video, the, the Black Panther guy from the 70s or the 60s who's an alderman or some kind of worthless local government piece of shit. Uh, he, he was complaining because power washers that are used to wash sidewalks would trigger people who suffered in the race riots at the hand of water cannons. And that would that would give them post-traumatic stress syndrome. Like, okay, if you, if you want to follow religion, I'm sorry, politics, to the point it becomes your religion because you have nothing else in life, you will ruin your life like that. You will you will ruin that. That guy's life was wasted. It was a sad life that guy has lived. All these feminists, all these professors, all these doctors, all these people in the liberal arts, all these professional activists, all these nonprofits who all they can do is beg for money, beg for money, beg for money. Politicians who all they do is they're running scared away from real work. You know, imagine Hillary Clinton. You think she's successful. She is not successful. That is one of the most miserable women who's wasted her life. Just wanting to have power, but no one loved her. Nobody likes her. Everybody uses her for power, and you know. And look, not saying you shouldn't pay attention to politics. Not saying you shouldn't care about the future, especially if you have kids. But I'm sorry. Right now, right now, uh, I'm having a better day than Hillary Clinton will ever have, because I got the sun. I got this nice lake. I got this beautiful view. I'm going to go have a cigar. I'm going to go spend time with my little nieces, and we're going to play airplane. And uh, then I'm going to probably get an amazing blowjob for my girlfriend later on today. And she'll probably be wearing a sexy little lingerie outfit or something. Beat that! Beat that! Tell me tell me what's better, getting maced over at some protest or getting a blowjob from your girlfriend. What What's better, guys? Is uh, Running for, for president and losing... 
or going for a walk in St. Paul's little uh, Cherokee Park regional area. What's better? You know, going for the motorcycle ride out west, going hiking. I'm gonna. Oh, I get to hang out with Dirty Harriet. I, this is gonna be a nice. This is gonna be a nice. I'm gonna take my time. There's no rush on this one. I'm just gonna go cruise. I know I'm gonna probably stay here. I'm gonna probably stay there. But otherwise, I'm gonna be just driving around, no particular place. If hotel prices are cheap enough in Moab, I might. I might try and go rent a bike, a pedal bike, and go bike around uh, Canyonlands National Park. Uh, but yeah, what you 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 tell me? You guys want to sit and and uh, get obsessed and addicted to what's going on on Facebook? Every time it dings, you got to turn around and see what it is. Oh, you got to post something on the Twitter chat or the Faceagram or the Insta chat. Oh, somebody posted this thing. Somebody posted that thing. Oh, somebody liked my crap. Or or would you rather just be driving across? South Dakota Plains, and then you come up on the Missouri River, you can see it a mile away. And there's this big, expansive, vast river you got to drive across. The other thing is that there's nobody out there in South Dakota, so it's just kind of like you and the river. Kind of, you know, like there's it's many times, a majority of time. Depends which way I go. I got so bored going over the highway, um, Interstate 90, and you go through Chamberlain. Uh, Atham looked this up. Uh, Chamberlain, South Dakota. So you usually see, um, usually there's enough traffic on that highway you see it. But you want to go to a desolate crossing. Uh, go, I think, four or five bridges up to Highway 212 outside the town of Gettysburg. Uh, and you cross on the 212 crossing to, uh, you cross over into the Indian Reservation. Uh, I, I think I've crossed that bridge, oh, I must have at least crossed it ten times. And I don't think once I've seen traffic coming the other way. I think I've always crossed it by myself. And it's it's just deadly silent. No one around. It's wonderful. That that's better than uh than you know Rachel Maddow. Can you imagine how pissed off that gal is? Could you imagine just what a miserable cunt she is? <laughs> her entire life has been dedicated to just validating her existence as a lesbian leftist, and it's just so important. And I'm like, no, I'm just going to go. Often the distance is being more rumbling. I'm going to stop at Town Faith, South Dakota. I always stop there if I do the 212. Um, and it's just quiet, just this dusty old town. Like a true cow, that's like the real first cowboy town you run into if if you're on 212. I, on Highway 90, what's the first cowboy town? They're all overdone with, I'd say, Murdo? Would Murdo be the first real cowboy town you run into? Yeah. Mitchell became, they got the Corn Palace, that's way too way too touristy. I think the first real cowboy town you get to is is probably Murdo. Wall again, that's too that's too yeah, and then also you're in Rapid City by that time. But yeah, I I'm gonna have a better life spending maybe five bucks today on gas to drive my truck to, to go where I gotta go than than the hundreds of thousands of dollars that's gonna be spent on Rachel Maddow's show, putting it together, where she just obsesses about Trump and Russia. Is that are you guys still on the Russia thing? How many 
billions, I do mean that, how many billions of leftist lives do you think have been wasted on obsessing about Russia? Just think about that. You, you, the leftists, a lot of leftists are smart enough to know that, that soap operas are a waste of time. I think we're, we're, all, we're all good on that. But what the fuck do you think politics is? Especially politics you don't control. I mean, truly and truth, the, the only real investment you should make in politics is getting educated a little bit about the different you know, candidates' political platforms. You go and vote, and then you say, fuck it, until the next election. Because that's all you really control. That's about it. That's all you really control. And I wonder how many billions, literally, because millions of Democrats are just obsessing about Russia, millions of leftists. I mean, think about Trump alone. And not even his policies, just his personality. Or what people have been brainwashed and conditioned to believe his personality and positions are. Like, think about how many lives of leftists Trump has ruined, not having nothing to do with politics, but simply because he just, like a black hole, consumes all their free time, thought, and puts them in a bad mood. I, I mean, that's the number one reason I like Trump. It has nothing to do with his politics. I don't think the guy's really done much of anything because, of course, Congress is headed up by Republican dipshits. But if people say, well, why do you like Trump? It's like, I don't like Trump. I just like the fact he he just pisses off you leftists to the point you're obsessed with him. It, it's, not like, it's not even a soap opera that you're kind of cheering on for the good guy. You guys just have nothing else to do but get scathingly enraged and hateful over this guy. And that's what I like about Trump the most. Because he ruins people's lives. Well, he doesn't ruin that. They choose to ruin their own lives, getting obsessed about a guy and whether he tweeted something out or what he, you know, that, that That is the precious part right there. But I'm, I know to cover politics, I know it's very important. I like the philosophy of, of the history of humanity and economics and freedom and liberty. I would have liked to see the human race excel. Um, but, uh, based, but at, at the same time, based on how humans are pretty fucking stupid, uh, pretty fucking brainwashed sheep. And the fact that I have a finite time on this planet, I am not getting worked up over, over this to the extent that I used to let myself get worked up over. There's, there's some interesting, funny, ha ha, let's make fun of them from the peanut gallery. Let's let's watch the news. The news isn't the news. The news is what the news is about. That's the news. But I suggest, especially for my listeners, especially for, you know, I know it's interesting on an intellectual level, but don't let it become your obsession. Don't let it become your only point and purpose and reason in living. Put in your time. Say, you know what? I did. I did. I, I tried my best. I, I did what was right. And I can live with myself. But you know what? In the end... Uh, people just don't want to listen. Girls want their government checked. They want they want the government to replace men. They cannot wait to line up. I think girls right now, American women, are trying to figure out how to give a government a check, a blowjob, without getting a paper cut on their tongue or lips. I know that's got to be hard. Maybe we could get a government program to teach girls how to give government checks, blowjobs, without getting paper cuts. I think that's kind of an important thing. We need to do that. <laughs> but... 
I'm not lamenting it anymore. I'm not wasting any more time worrying about it. And so if all of a sudden I take a day or two off, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not writing five posts a day. I'm not playing. Have you noticed how I rarely write economic pieces anymore? Because empirical data doesn't work. I'm not going to waste my time pulling up Fred database charts and data and statistics. I mean, I'll explain. Like if you got a question on economics and you pay me at Asshole Consulting, I have no problem delving into the world of economics and explaining to you economic phenomena that you may not understand or you're kind of confused about. I have no problem doing it. Sometimes it's fun and interesting. But it is time not to necessarily retire, but I am packing it in. I am not wasting the next at least 25 years of my life like I did my previous 25. I'm going to go and have fun. I'm going to enjoy the people in my life. And, and above all, I'm going to enjoy myself. I'm going to relax. I'm, going to, I'm, going to chill. I'm just going to look at this lake. I'm going to look at that lake, and I'm not going to go for a run because even that's work. I am just going to go for a walk. I've been doing a lot of walking. Like, I'll go run six miles, and you know I'm listening to a podcast. I'm listening to Beckloff. I'm listening to the Cynical Libertarian Society. I'm listening to, you know, whoever. Ooh, new one, by the way, if you want a break from politics. The Byz- Byzantine or Byzantium podcast, the Byzantium History Podcast. I'll link to that on my blog. That's a good one, too, if you just want to unplug and listen to history. I'm going to just consume. I'm going to eat good food. That's another thing. I'm... I'm uh, it was fun doing this no-carb shit, uh, but I'd rather go run and work out more than not eat uh, French silk pie ice cream at Perkins. Uh, there's there's no... This is... this Unless you get to a really good restaurant that, that does low-carb, really healthy food really well, and they exist out there. It, it No, life is too short to not have ice cream occasionally. Life is way too short to not have uh, donuts it's just way too short. And so I'm going to enjoy life. I suggest you guys do the same. Um, i got to do sponsors from memory here. We have my books. Get them all. You can find that on Amazon. Uh, I would say Reconnaissance Man is most themed based off of the topic we're talking about today. Get that book if you haven't. If you want to make the transition... From being a news junkie, I'm a Fox news junkie, I'm a CNN news junkie. If you want to make that transition to a life of happiness, get Reconnaissance Man. Um, All these books are available in paperback, Kindle, and audio. We have Marcus Brown's book. Another book, Nigaz, not niggers, Nigaz, Ain't Gone, Read. And before you get all pissed off, Marcus is black, as many of you know. And uh, he, he kindly put, put me in the introduction in that book. I was like, oh, thanks, Marcus. That was very nice. Uh, and then the, the cover art, again, done by R.J. Jones. Uh, he's the guy that did Enjoy the Decline. Um, he's just good. He's real good with his art. Oh, and related to uh, doing what I want in life and having a little bit of fun, uh, I'm not going to be writing a serious book for a while. I do have some serious books that I'd like to write. Well, i got plenty of books I'd like to write. Um, but I'm going to probably be putting together a comic book uh, with R.J. Jones. Depends if he's got the time, depends if it, if it works. But we got the outline and foundation, and um, I, I think it's going to be good. I wouldn't put it together otherwise, but I want to do it. That's the main thing, and uh, I hope you guys like it. I'm gonna, I'll, just, I'll just release it. I'm not even going to tell you guys about it, but I think most of you like it. It was inspired uh, by several men I know in my life. Lloyd, Terrence Pop, Vince Jameson, 
uh, and some others, but uh, the hero is more or less fashioned off of those guys. Um, what else we got? So, yeah, get Marcus's Brown. Another book, Niggas Ain't Gone Read. I don't think it's a... It's in Kindle and paperback, not audio yet. Uh, what is the other book? There was another one I got in the mail. <clears throat> Damn it, what was it? The Economics of Catholic Subsidiarity by James DePrisco. You can check him out by going to jamesdeprisco.com. D-E-P-R-I-S-C-O. Uh, we got my Amazon affiliate program. You guys know that one. You guys know to buy all your online shopping through my Amazon affiliate program. Betterment. You guys know to go through my Betterment program. The Pericles Conspiracy by Michael Kingswood. Oh, that's another thing. Michael Kingswood finally, Jim Fear, jimfear138.blogspot.com, he converted Mike's books into audiobooks. So all of Michael King, Kingswood's books are available in audio. Um, I just haven't gotten to that yet. Wait, do I have my podcast? Oh, here's a sponsor. Oh, Claire, you think you didn't save it? All right, Oh, Real Mark Baxter, realmarkbaxter.com. Praxy, if you need to contact me directly through your phone, we can have a conversation or FaceTime. You can download the Praxy app. Cost you two dollars a minute. Constance, man, Montrose County. Remember that book? I'll, I'll I'll throw the shout out for you guys in Frank Servi's book. Those guys advertised me with for a while. Oh, Pushing Rubber Downhill. Good old Adam Piggott. Check out his blog and his books by going to pushingrubberdownhill.com. Kerry Lutz's uh, uh, website, FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com. He's got his book also called Viral Podcasting. Uh, Rollo Tomasi's book. Oh, I got an old old sponsor list here on my laptop. Um, Just go... You guys know Rollo Tomasi. RationalMail.com. Go there, find his his third book. He's got it out. Uh, I think it's called uh, Positive Masculinity. Um... Asshole Consulting. You can advertise on my podcast, $100 a month. Chad Elkins at ElkinsCPA.com. Canto Talk, Obsidian Radio, 405 Media, Cynical Libertarian Society. Mitch Berg and O'Shea Jackson. So go check out those podcasts and blogs if you're interested. My online classes, search them by title, the analysis and valuation of stocks, and the other one, stocks, bonds, investing, oh my. And that's it. That is, that's the sponsor list. Now listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? (sighs) Try as I might. (laughs) And this isn't really politics, this is more philosophy. I'm going to tell you about, there's an article written about this gal called Barbara Carlson. If you don't know her, if I recall correctly, uh, not only was she a, um, a political commentator in the Twin Cities, uh, Minneapolis, um, she, was, she was the wife of Governor Carlson. And so when I, I saw this in the news, I, I just, I don't know, after a while you just kind of like, ah, maybe... Maybe I could highlight this. Maybe people could... It brings up questions for me. Minneapolis's effervescent Barbara Carlson shares her cautionary riches to Reg's tale. Barbara Carlson never gave money a thought until the day she ran out of it. 
I've always just spent, she said, my first words were charge it. Well, now this is, I think she was even a Republican. So again, doesn't matter what political spectrum you're on. If you're a politician and a trust fund baby, you'll just piss away your money. The flamboyant former member of the Minneapolis City Council and radio talk show host Carlson, 80, is of a generation in which women were discouraged from paying attention to finance. No, you weren't discouraged. You women were never discouraged. You, you, it's not like you didn't know math. Not like you didn't know about money or budgeting. You women, if anything, were more on the fam- family budget than men were. You were the ones who were in charge of the budget. Like, oh, we got to go clip coupons. Oh, we got to go buy the shopping. Oh, we need a family budget. Men made it, you spent it. Don't act like you girls were just, until the 1970s, women were just kept in basements and chains, and men would come down and fuck them, and the chain was long enough for them to come upstairs and bake naked in the kitchen, and if they didn't go back downstairs pregnant, well, then they get the beatings. And they didn't know about numbers or letters back then, because men are just evil pigs. She was raised in Anoka by living help in a family where money wasn't an issue. And though, and through two marriages, first to Arnie Carlson, who later became governor, and then businessman Martin Anderson, she never had to check the balance in her checkbook before going shopping. I grew up in a family where I didn't want for anything, she said. My husbands were both successful, and I did pretty well, too. I had a great career in real estate before I went into politics. She used to buy her clothes at the Oval Room, the high-end fashion outlet in Dayton's. Now she shops at Second Debut Thrift Shop. It's run by Goodwill, she said. It's a wonderful place. She used to pick up whatever food piqued her interest while strolling through Lund's. Oh yeah, Lund's is like the high-end thing. High-end grocer. She now searches out ramen noodles at Cub Foods. Oh, it's too bad. She had to go through what everybody else did in their 20s. They're the best friend of college students and poor people, she said. You could get a case for 340 she used to live in a stately mansion on Lake of the Isles. Now she's in a 650-square-foot income-based apartment in a converted factory. It would be claustrophobic if I didn't have 15-foot ceilings with walls that she has decorated all the way to the top with art, wall hangings, and other treasures she has uncovered. I'm an expert on estate sales. I go Sunday afternoon when everything is half price. If you wait until the end, you can get, get a grab bag, $2 for a whole bag full of stuff. What? But why? What stuff? Why do you need stuff? This gal did a 650 square foot apartment. I don't think my place is much bigger than that. I think it's actually smaller than that. But I, the last thing I want is stuff. How have things changed so dramatically? Some of it was circumstance, including a bout with cancer, removed via surgery, needing a kidney transplant, no rejection issues, and being swindled by a con artist. Well, that's just too bad. I guess I guess you should fucking die, huh? Not to sound dark like the cynical libertarian society, but he points out that all you people without government bailouts and other people bailing you out, Darwin, Darwinism and, and evolution, uh, natural selection would have killed you guys a long time ago. And then we'd, we'd cleanse the human genetic pool. And then the human race might actually stand a shot at living. Ah, now you guys... Uh. Don't help the raccoon. Nature will take care of it. Oh my God, let's help out every human in the world. Now we interview with nature. I knew her too, Said she said with a sad shake of the, her head. She took thousands from me, but she got millions from other people. She eventually was caught and convicted, but by then all the stolen money was gone. These setbacks aside, most of her richest rag story was fueled by her own financial nonchalance. I take full responsibility, she said. 
In 2002, shortly after she and Anderson divorced, her show was taken off the air by KSTP. She was on her own financially for the first time in her life. It was a train wreck. If I had to sit down and pay a bill, my head would explode, she said. My father took care of the money. My husband's took care of the money. So she hired an accountant, which leads to the obvious question. Didn't the accountant warn her that she was going broke? Every week, Carlson admitted. Every week she'd give me a lecture. Barbara, you're spending too much money. She didn't take the warning seriously for one thing. Following her divorce from Anderson, she thought she had enough of a nest egg from the two houses they sold. Dude, you just give me one house for free. Give me one house for free. I'm done. I'm done. You'll never see me again. I'll just be riding motorcycles the entire time. Uh, The one in the city and the other a lake home to last until about five years ago. But even then, she was hesitant to acknowledge the seriousness of the situation because I had been taken care of my whole life and I figured that someone would come along to take care of me. Oh, typical female American female thinking. The government or diversity or the corporations that just come and take care of me because I'm a strong, independent woman. A message to share. Carlson has never been shy about airing potentially embarrassing public matters in public. On her talk show, she openly discussed everything from her alcoholism to her sex life. True to form, it was Carlson who approached the Star Tribune about revealing her money problems, hoping it could serve as a cautionary tale. No, you're, you're fishing for a bailout. I know there are a lot of women out there in the same situation I am. No, 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 no. I don't care. I don't care. This is this is this is a flawed to the hilt, an impaired human being. If you can't spend less than you make, you don't deserve to live. That is a trait, no matter what mental illness you want to call it, that is a that is a death trait. Consuming more resources than you produce is a death trait. That is not something that should be perpetrated or excused. And I don't care how many other women, or men for that matter, are in this woman's particular situation. You're lucky there's goodwill and charities and all that. Imagine if we just, like, banned charities for 50 years, what would happen? We got rid of all the social programs and all the private charity. You just can't give money to anybody unless they work for it. A lot of you think a lot of people would die. I think that starvation, knowing it myself, starvation and hunger and and being cold, uh, that will prompt you to have the world's largest work ethic. Everyone thinks that like these people would just die. They just die on the vine. It's like, no, if faced with death or actually getting a fucking job and working, most people, even the most welfareest of the welfares, uh, we'll go and get a job. Uh, I know there's a lot of women out there in the same situation I am. She said they've outlived their husbands and they've outlived their money. I want to help them. If my story can help one of them feel better or help someone else avoid the same situation, I'll be happy. My message is that you can survive. Well, obviously you aren't. Do you have a job, Barbara? Carlson has a well-earned reputation for her hyperbole, so when she says she's broke, there's an inclination to wonder if she's exaggerating. She's not. She's really broke, said Charles Leck, a friend of both Arnie and Barbara since the 1960s. She's so broke, in fact, that he and his wife occasionally slip her cash, including money to buy Christmas presents for her grandchildren. She has ran out of money. Carlson is also well-known for enjoying the spotlight, which may lead some doubters to think she's telling her story to get more attention than to actually help people. For her attention... For her, the attention and helping go hand in hand, according to Harry Harriet Horowitz, who's known Carlson for 30 years. Her heart is as big as her mouth, Horowitz says. She really is interested in helping people, but she cannot live in a vacuum. The flip side of a person who doesn't change 
when they strike it rich, being poor hasn't changed her a bit. Her friends confirm. Barbara wants to laugh. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, that's enough. Uh, oh, good news. Now, listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? You guys remember what, four or five years ago? Bees were dying. Oh my God, it's the bees. If it's not the bees, it's the trees. If it's not the bees, it's your knees. If it's not flea, bees, it's fleas. Something, oh my God, in the world was going to die because bees are so important to the eco chamber. From Bloomberg. Bees are bouncing back from colony collapse disorder. August 1st, 2017. The number of U.S. honeybees, a critical component to agricultural production, rose in 2017 from a year earlier and the deaths of the insects attributed to a mysterious malady that's affected hives in North America and Europe declined, according to a U.S. Department of Agriculture honeybee health survey released Tuesday. I thought it was global warming. I thought it was global warming. Why did I have diarrhea this morning? Global warning. Why is that tree bark falling off? Global warning. Why are women so cunty this time of year? Global warning. Everything is global warming. And if you don't believe that, then you are a doubter, you are a Philistine, you are a heathen, you are a Luddite, you are a moron, and you hate the children. But you see, you don't, you don't ever heard, the, this didn't make frontline news, you guys. Hear, see, you can't hear good news. You can't hear good news because otherwise, how is the left going to convince you that what has worked for two million years isn't working and that we just need more government money? The number of commercial U.S. honeybee colonies rose 3% to 2.89 million as of April 1st, 2017, compared with a year earlier, the Agricultural Department reported. The number of hives lost to colony collapse disorder, a phenomenon of disappearing bees that has raised concern among farmers and scientists for a decade, was 84,430 in this year's first quarter, down 27% from a year earlier. Year-over-year losses declined by the same percentage in June, uh, April through June, the most recent data in the survey. Still, more than two-fifths of beekeepers said, what were harming their hives? What's harming their hives? More than two-fifths of beekeepers said, what was harming their hives? Is it global warming? Was it pollution? Was it trucks? Was it carbon dioxide? Was it methane gas from farting cows? What was it? And did you hear about this? Mites. Still, more than two-fifths of beekeepers said mites were harming their hives and with pesticides and other factors still stressing bees. The overall increase is largely the result of constant replenishment of losses the studies showed. You create new hives by breaking up your stronger hives, which just makes them weaker, said Tim May, a beekeeper in Harvard, Illinois, and the vice president of the American Beekeeping Federation, based in Atlanta. (laughs) Reminds me of uh, Eddie Izzard's um, comedy skit on bees. We check for mites. We keep our bees well-fed. We communicate with farmers that they don't spray pesticides when our hives are vulnerable. I don't know what else we can do. I, I'm, there's not one mention of global warming here. Come on, this is Bloomberg. Bloomberg, come on, mention global warming at least once. Environmental groups have expressed alarm over the 90% decline during the past two decades in the population of pollinators from wild bees to monarch butterflies. Some point to a class of pesticides called neonicotinoids, neonicotinoids, as a possible cause, a link rejected by Bayer AG and other manufacturers. Why isn't it global warming? 
It's got to be global warming. How much you want to bet the beekeepers like got money on this? Like, no, we actually have to accurately diagnose the problem here. No, no, it's not global warming. We need we need our bees to survive. We actually care about the environment in this one, so we just can't go to global warming. In the USDA study, beekeepers who owned at least five colonies or hives reported the most losses from the voro- varroa mite, a parasite that lives only in beehives and survives by sucking insect blood. It cannot be the varroa mite. It can't. It's global warming. The scourge present in the U.S. since 1987 was reported in 42% of commercial hives between April and June this year, according to the USDA. That's down from 53% in the same period one year. No, it has to be global warming! Among other factors, beekeepers said 13% of colonies in the second quarter of this year were stressed by pesticides. How are they stressed? Do you talk to the bees? Like, are you okay? Are you feeling all right? Bulls, bulls, bulls. Uh, 12% of mites and pests other than varroa and 4.3 by diseases. Bad weather, starvation, insufficient forage, and other reasons were listed as problems with 6.6% of the hives. Why isn't global warming mentioned here? God damn it, Bloomberg. Do you want to lose your journalism degree and license? Colony collapse, while not a main cause of loss, has perplexed scientists for more than a decade since the phenomenon of bees seemingly spontaneously fleeing their hives and not returning was first identified in the United States. As beekeepers have worked to improve hive conditions, the syndrome has waned as a concern, said May Berenbaum, head of the entomology department at the University of Illinois and a winner of the National Medal of Science. Can she keep that National Medal of Science if she doesn't blame it on global warming? We ought to kneecap that fucking cunt whore bitch wench if she doesn't mention global warming. It's been more of a blip in the history of beekeeping, she said in an interview. I, they, they made it. If this was a blip, then how did they make it sound like the whole world was going to end because the bees weren't pollinating flowers? On the other hand, it's staggering that half of America bees have mites, she said. Colony collapse disorder has been vastly overshadowed by diseases, recognizable parasites, and diagnosable physiological problems. Oh. Oh, woman, we are sending the global warming mafia. Al Gore's going to come there with a baseball bat and kneecap your fucking cunt-ass bitch. Oh, man, you did not mention global... Oh, man, you did not toe the line. In the survey, a hive loss was attributed to colony collapse if Varroa and other mites were ruled out as a cause. Few dead bees were found in a hive, a sign that they fled. A queen bee and food reserves were both seemingly normal pre-collapse, and food reserves were left alone after fleeing. May said the losses are highly variable and depending on where the hives are located and may be affected by farmers who properly spraying pesticides. It's really tricky to tease out other factors behind bee deaths. He said, no, no, you just say global warming and that's the end of it. Because that's what the fucking sheep will believe. And then they'll think they're so intelligent. I believe a global warming because scientists had a, a consensus. Uh, but when I eliminate everything else, it's a distinct possibility. The U.S. EPA is reviewing neonicotinoids, proposing bans on spraying them and several dozen other pesticides in the fields where bees have been brought in to pollinate a crop. A pair of scientific studies in Science last month linked neonicotinoids, neonicnacs, uh, to poor reproduction and shorter lifespans of European and Canadian bees. The research was funded in part by Bayer Crop Science and Syngenta AG, the makers of the imic- thing, chemicals I can't pronounce. 
There are numerous things impacting bee health, Sagenta Chief Executive Officer Eric Firewald said in an interview in Brussels last month. Well, Eric, you better mention fucking global warming, or I am going to go grab... Who's the gay guy? Leonardo DiCaprio and Al Gore and Bill Nye the Science Guy, and swear to God, if you do not mention global warming, Eric, I'm going to send them over, and we're going to beat the ever-living shit out of your kneecaps. One of the very minor elements there is pesticides, so it's amazing to us that the discussion is, as a whole, about pesticides, not only pesticides, just specifically neonics. And that is the article. That's the whole article. And... I'm saying it's good news because obviously we don't want bees to die. We are all pro-bee here, I think. We all like honey. Honey's another thing I'm getting into. I don't care if it's it's got sugar. I'm getting honey again. Uh, I I had to read that article because I'm shocked, all my joking aside with kneecaps. They didn't mention global warming. This is the first article about nature that I've read or heard about since I can remember. It has to be at least a decade where they didn't mention global warming. Where these idiots didn't mention, oh, it's the ozone layer, it's global warming. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, sh- I'm impressed. I'm impressed. All right, uh, that's it. I'm going to go back to the cigar lounge. I'm going to go and upload this damn thing. That's it for the podcast. Um, yeah, go buy all your crap online through my Amazon affiliate program. Promise yourselves you're going to go out and enjoy the day. You're not going to, just, just, Dude, I uninstalled Facebook from my my cell phone. Just cut off the social media. Don't watch the news. Well, I mean, if North Korea launches a nuclear weapon, yeah, then watch the news. But just just try it my way once. Just just go a whole week without watching the news, without social media. Go for a walk. Go spend time with people you like. Get a blowjob from your amazingly attractive girlfriend. Or uh, if you're a girl, all three of you that listen, go get... Go get railed by your by your boyfriend or your husband. And tell me if your day or your week didn't go a little bit better. Uh, but yeah, man, it, it's life is too short, way too short to be getting worked up about all this petty bullshit. So, all right, we'll see you kids later. Toodles.